So the AFL trade period has come and it has passed. And the crazy thing about that is for a, for a while here is like the NFL trade deadline where nothing happened. But unlike the NFL trade deadline, we got to the last two days and literally everything happened. <laughs> so it, this was a blast. Uh, but everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. This is another a, um, AFL show. We're going to be breaking down the 2020 trade period. Of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, joined alongside by the man, the AFL correspondent for the fourth long podcast, your coach, Donnie Hess. Coach, thanks for joining us again. To admit the AF does like to spike so instead of having trade in the middle of the season we're going to have it just after the grand final it's only going to be a week and y'all got to do everything as much as you can in one week so it definitely this this was definitely one of those trade trade ones where the first about five days of the trade period you're like um is anything ever going to happen and then all of a sudden bang in the last two days all all Holy crap, so many <laughs> trades, and some of them I did not see happening. And mm-hmm. a few that I, I'm still kind of scratching my head going, okay, you made that trade. Okay, <laughs> this is very interesting. Right, and so. this is going to be fun because we get two um, two kind of perspectives on either end of the, of the spectrum. Because we have a man, lifelong dedicated AFL fan, then me, of course, you're one-year rookie. And so this is my first trade period, and um, I got to say... They do a lot of things different uh, from Australian football and American American football, but not everything just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad. I kind of enjoyed this, and I, I think this whole period is crazy. And then another thing I was new with was if we look back uh, like about a month ago now, it's crazy that, sorry, been that long, uh, but we had the 2020 Grand Finals there in the GABA with Richmond taking their third uh, premiership in the last four years, Norm Smith going to Dustin Martin, and that game was a very, very fun game to watch. Um, and I got to say that I had a blast watching my first grand final up here at 2.30 in the morning. 100% worth it. And I kind of was a little disappointed because I had Geelong going all the way. And I want to be right. But I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll settle for a very entertaining um, grand final. But the only thing I have against it was I did not like the halftime show. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's it. It's it's not the same as the Super Bowl. The one the one thing that I I do have to give the Australians a little bit is is that their halftime show isn't just as long as the whole entire first half. So I gotta <laughs> give it to them. But but I, but I gotta ask. I gotta ask Ross. Okay, so mm-hmm. so your first two thirty, your first grand final. Yep. Was it everything that it lived up to, or was or was it a little disappointing because the final score was a little more lopsided? That's that's a load of question. <laughs> You're going to give me a lot of hate from this. I'm trying to boost my Australian viewership, not uh, not just tank it. But uh, if we're being honest here, I thought the first three quarters were tons of fun. The fourth quarter kind of fell off for me, but at the same time, um, I was fine with it. it. It's not like any Super Bowl that I, I haven't watched before. I mean, most of the games I watch, they do come down to the wire, but also a good majority of them are kind of determined by, you know, like halfway through the, the final quarter. So I was okay with it. And then like kind of, I was super intense and anxious with the whole thing. Then that last little bit, I just kind of relaxed and was able to just enjoy the game a little more and not like be rooting for Geelong like I ended up doing, you know? 
Yeah, and that, that's kind of the thing. Is unfortunately, sometimes some grand finals can be a little lackluster when it comes to the end. And this this really was a good game. I, I just think a little bit of it was is Geelong is a little bit of an older team. They had to play the four games. Mm-hmm. Richmond is just they're so good at playing their style. And it really was a situation where it was like I think the the injury to Gary Adler Jr. did affect yeah. Geelong a little bit more than I think they were. It was nice to build to see him in his last game at least get back to the field. So. Well, and did you did you hear the really cool thing that Dustin Martin set up for for that? Which one? Um, Dusty Martin talked to him all the Richmond players after they had gotten their medals. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to give what they call the guard of honor to mm-hmm. a player who retired. Mm-hmm. All of the Richmond players hid their medals. They tucked them under their shirts or took them off and put them behind their backs. They did not want to wear their medals and take away from Gary Abbott Jr.'s walking off the walking off the field. So I did not even I, know this at. That's yep, so I gotta, cool. I gotta give the bravo to to, to Dusty Martin. Yes. He very much is a footy guy. He very much is a footy folklore type of person. And for him to have the respect and the class to tell his teammates and to have his teammates also do it as well to respect the career of Gary Abbott Jr. You got to give you got to give a round of applause for oh, Richmond yeah. Tigers team that this year has kind of been kind of Jekyll and Hyde with some people that some people that haven't been too happy with some of the antics, shall we say, but I have to, I have to give a, a big round of applause, a big round of applause to the, to the Richmond Tigers for a very classy move yes. by, 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 by a club that I think really has become this age's dynasty It'll be really interesting to see how next year goes with a few kind of additions and some tractions with mm-hmm. some teams. So I'm really looking forward to next year already. And we've only got and we've got AFLW in between that. So. Oh, yeah. And now I don't know if it's, it's me. Maybe it's my short attention span. Maybe it's me still being super tired from being really early. But um, I kind of got tired of the whole eight individual medal per per person on on richmond i was like let can i get on to the rest of the ceremonies <laughs> yeah it, it is one of the it is one of the unique things where they bring up each each player I thought, like, the, don't get me wrong i think it's really cool and unique but i mean it's probably well, other, i thought I super tired <laughs> yeah and the other and the other cool thing too is that the nap players get to be able to meet like a an and professional player and be able yeah. to put the put the medal on it and most of the time the the players have a hat for them which is a cool that little thing nice. in fact i've even i've even heard sometimes if you listen really closely sometimes the mic will catch them having a conversation and it's almost hilarious like oh, one time cute. i heard a kid go you had a bloody awesome game mate <laughs> <laughs> and to hear it from like a seven-year-old is absolutely awesome so i got so here that, one that's one of the dropped, dropped a little uh i mean and I probably can't say on on an American show in Australia. Saw Mark Simmons dropped a little C bomb real quick. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I don't know. Even at that age group, who knows? Who knows if they're saying that? But it, but it, it is kind of a cool. Like I said, it is one of the cool little traditions that they have there. Yeah. But it, it does get kind of tedious after a while because you're hearing players that you don't hear a lot from. So it, <laughs> so it is kind of. But you learn you learn list size exactly because of it. Well. Now I'm just I I I can't wait for my next uh, grand film and I can't wait to make this a yearly tradition. But with that being said, coach, let's get on into the actual meat and potatoes of this show, the acquisitions for each team, and then we see. Um, I, I appreciate all you guys, um, like on Twitter and stuff. Like um, one of our biggest fans, he was saying that um, he appreciates us because we're not like the the whole kind of media they have in there on Australia. We give a different perspective. Another way to make a little difference, I mean, we always see, looking through the list, 
they've listed teams alphabetically. Ah, no, nah, no. Nah. This is this is my show. I changed up. We're going in order of the final ladder. So we're going to start things off with Port Adelaide and their trades and their acquisitions. Coach, start us off with this one. Okay, so probably one of the more interesting ones. And this one's actually almost two years. You're almost two years in the making. Is is Essendon moving Orazio Fantasia? or Fantasia, depending on who you ask, and, and a fourth-round pick, the number 73 pick overall to Essendon for their second-round pick and future third-round pick. It, this is a really interesting trade because Fantasia is a, a South Adelaide, is a, is a South Australian, so he really wanted to go home. And being able to choose Port Adelaide, who had a really good season, it, this is kind of one of those trades that I think, if you look back at it in the long run, Essendon, it's, I think it's even. I really do think this is an even trade. I think Fantasia is kind of one of those. He has his moments. He's a really good player when he wants to be. But we'll have to see kind of how the second-round pick for Essendon and then the future third. These, these are the trades I hate giving a winner-loser because <laughs> it's it's so hard to say right now because we don't know. What, what are they going to get for the second-round pick? What are they going to get for the future third? We don't know because it all depends on how Port does next year. I mean, if Port kind of randomly falls apart and has tons of injuries, that third round pick could be a nice pick. You just never know. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of, I hate picking this one. This one I call a draw for a, for a trade because I, I think Essendon got a, an experienced player to kind of push them over the edge and a later round pick to kind of boost their list a little. Essendon picks up an earlier pick to kind of add on to the picks that they kind of got, got over this offseason. And then a future pick, which kind of depending on how Port Adelaide does, we'll kind of see. Um, so so this I, I call this a draw trade in the long run. This, this is one of those it's way too early to kind of tell who's the winner or loser. That's respectful. Um, with, with kind of the whole thing, too, also the other player with the Lear Lear, um, or uh, you're calling one of your Iowa guys, the home coaches called him uh, – said Repeat. <laughs> repeat. So we get uh, a little Aussie version of repeat. They get him, um, ship him off, or um, they they bring him in. Then they get a future second round, um, give that to Sydney in return. Um, and then with both these guys, my whole kind of feeling with this is that these are two players I kind of have a low floor, but at the same time their ceiling is pretty high. Um, so so this is what happens when I guess poor Adelaide's been decent in the draft recently. And so you're able to take a little more risk with this um, and have a little less draft picks. And then if these guys work out, then um, poor Adelaide could just be running the number one spot the whole time again next year. These, these are two guys that honestly could either put them over the top to be a potential flag team or could be just, I mean, staple guys to fill in for younger players to develop. Mm -hmm. Like for me, Alir Alir did kind of come out of the blue a little bit. And, and this here's where a little bit of my Sydney connections help out is I had heard some, I had heard some rumblings that Alir Alir had to kind of go in the buck this year when they lost Naismith early in the season. Um, discussions were Alir Alir was not real happy about being a ruck forward. He mm -hmm. prefers back. Um, so I had heard discussions. Port basically reached out to Sydney, be like, "Hey, we'd like to take them on because we need an experienced defender to take over for Ebert, who is retiring, and to kind of let their young young kid in the draft, who's probably going to be a top ten pick, be able to kind of mature, play some sandful games a little bit to kind of develop." So this this is one of those that right now Port wins this trade. Alir Lear will step in. He can be in their top 22. He can be a solid defender. He gives them some size to defend guys like Tommy Hawkins. And 
and Lynch from from Richmond and stuff like that. So they give him a bigger defender because that was Portsmouth this year. They didn't have any big defenders. He comes in as a big defender. He's good reading the ball. In the long run, Sydney moves this pick, and we'll talk about this later, what this pick that they picked up actually got them. And I think in the long run, it actually benefited Sydney. So mm. if you see the progression of the trade, it's one of those port wins now just from the trade itself. If you look at the trade as a whole with what Sydney does with the pick, which mm -hmm. we'll explain later, uh, I think it's a draw again here, but we'll see. It, it all just kind of depends. Okay, overall, I feel comfortable. Uh, Port Adelaide, I'll give him a B on this one. There's like no, nothing crazy. Um, if it works out, it could be really good, but then also you're taking a bit of a risk. I think a B grade is uh, acceptable. And for me, I, I went a little. I went a little bit stronger. I, I like both picks. I like both moves. I think both moves bring in guys that they can win the championship. I gave them. I gave them an A for their off season, because their picks. They're really not big risks. The picks that they move and the guys they brought in, like I said, could put them over the top to win them a flag. So I like what Port did. I think Port brought in the stable defender that they needed and, and an impact player that can be in the midfield and the forward line. So this is one of those. I didn't. I, I'm very, very tough with my grading because I think some of these teams really didn't get aggressive. Maybe it's the American in me. You said the aggressive trades where they trade four or five picks to get a number one overall to pick up the the number one quarterback in the draft. It doesn't have to be like too that. much so in footy. It's kind it of doesn't. It just doesn't. Uh, it no. just doesn't. So, uh, so it's really, really like cool to NFL see. NFL drafts are uh, a little more top heavy than 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 what we can see in uh, in Australia. Now the uh, yeah. The talent, the talent pool sometimes is a little bit different yeah. too. So, yeah. And then the next team, we're going to talk Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane had one trade to bring in someone with uh, Nikia Cockatoo. Um, they they dish out a future third to Geelong. Then they also bring on Joe Donner um, via restricted free agent. Um, and then in return, Essen will get a first round compensation pick, projected to be about the number seven spot currently. Um, your take on this one. Uh, both these moves, I think, are really, really good. The biggest question will be for both of them will be injuries. Mm. Both of these guys are low risk in the long run. Like I said, Danaher is a free agent signing, so they didn't lose anything. Brisbane gave up nothing. Brisbane gets him basically for free. The only issue that I think, again, some people are kind of questioning is, is he's had a lot of injury. He's only played about five games in the last two years. Will his body hold up if he tries to play 22 games? Nakaya Cockatoo, same thing. The biggest issue with both of these two guys coming in this year is, will their bodies hold up? Now, the transition playing in Brisbane, not in the fishbowl, maybe different doctors, maybe it all gets figured out. But it really is a situation where it's like, there's very little risk for both moves for Brisbane. They've already got a solid list. They're already pretty solid getting where they did. They just added some bonus people to, again, kind of like Port, maybe give them those final two things to put them in flag contention instead of just a solid finals team. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of going off that, um, I know some of the Americans are like, what are we talking about? Compensation pick. In Australian rules football, and this this is to something. Fair, we do I, have to see this for at least restricted um, in Australia. Sometimes you get a, for an unrestricted, you get a compensation pick. At least for a restricted free agent, you did you do get some sort of compensation um, for an NFL team, but mm -hmm. it's still, it's not it, it's not the same. 
Yeah, but, but basically the contract that is offered by the team is actually how they decide the pick. So it, so it really is kind of interesting to see that. So it is kind of a twist. It's not something like, I guess, for most of the American fans who listen to it, we're used to, okay, free agent's gone, bye. There's nothing that happens. There's no extra pick given. There's nothing that. It's just the guy's gone. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of a little bit of a different twist. Is that, okay, well, a guy goes by, well, here comes the number seven overall pick to us. That's kind of a bonus because Danner hasn't played very much. Here's number seven for you. So <laughs> it is kind of it is kind of a very interesting little twist to it, and it definitely throws a little bit of a curveball in because teams that are in the eight, nine, ten spot now they're drafting a further pick back. So there's one less pick now. There, there's one more pick in front of them that maybe takes away a guy that they could potentially get. So it's definitely interesting, the, their compensation packaging um, in the AFL. So it's really, really interesting, especially considering Essendon, who picked up who picked up seven for Danaher, and now has six, seven, and eight in the draft. That's Which insane. you never see very often. And potentially, you could potentially see them maybe trying to package up a couple and move mm-hmm. up further in the draft. We'll have to see. The, this draft will be quite interesting because it yeah. very much is top-heavy. The top five guys are some of the best players in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting to see if Essendon makes it moves with six, seven, and eight, or if they just, hey, we'll take three guys right in a row. And why I like this move for Brisbane because what we've been seeing, they're a team that's like on the cusp of, of a flag right there. And what's nice is that they're still really young. They're really talented uh, footy team. And with these couple of guys, I mean, it, it, they've gone from like this kind of young and almost like going from a rebuild a couple of seasons back to a team that's already contending for a premiership. And these two guys can very well put that team over the edge, kind of what we were talking about with um, – with Port, um, these these two guys might be able to put them just over the edge and be able to put them already into premiership contention. And I'm sure they are way ahead of schedule than the, what they were expecting when they were selling and rebuilding a couple seasons back. I, I completely agree. This this team has taken leaps and bounds and leaps and bounds the last three seasons going from a team that wasn't even in the finals. Everybody kind of they knew they would always fall apart because they were such a young team to – I mean, they picked up two guys that if they can stay healthy, if they can play solid, a lot like Port, these are guys to put them over the top to compete with the Richmonds, the Geelongs, and the West Coasts. So so it's definitely interesting to see how the top two teams from last year and ladder improved. I believe if these guys work out, those are improvements to their already dangerous squads. Where it's like, and then you move to it, we'll we'll kind of transition from here, Richmond – really didn't bring anything in no um richmond it's not like they necessarily needed to bring anything in um it also doesn't help that uh you're here you won the premiership so you don't necessarily need to get better i would say but also doesn't help you know um, we'll get to this a little later in the other couple teams but only um markov and jack higgins are gone Mm -hmm. they have a decent have about five picks right now um and, and they have a decent draft pool but I, I don't know i don't know it was this was a little weird to me this was definitely one of those where it's like the championship team that sits on its laurels is is the question that you potentially see mm-hmm. but for me I've seen this Richmond team do this very much so, except for when they brought in, except for when they brought in the big guy Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't do a ton in the off season. They'll let the occasional 
guy that they can afford to lose. Dan, like they, they let go of Dan Butler, who played mm-hmm. for St. Kilda and had a really good season this year at St. Kilda. And I think Higgins potentially could do that again, but they're so deep. They've developed really well. They've kept a lot of people on their list. They've, they've kept this team together that it's like even losing Markov and Higgins, they're still pretty solid. They're still going to bring in a couple of draft picks. The only question is, are they eventually going to be hurt a little bit by not bringing in younger players to to keep the depth? Because eventually they are going to get picked thinner and thinner mm-hmm. each year until finally they can't afford it. So it'll really kind of see how Richmond's list manager kind of handles the draft. Does he, does he make any moves to try to move up to maybe get a little bit more talent? Or does he sit on the draft picks that he has? Because considering the only thing you can trade on draft night in the AFL is picks. There are no player trades. Trading is done. There are no player movements now the rest of the year until next trade season or free agency. The only thing that can be traded on draft night is picks. That's it. Very interesting. I love the, all these little different rules. I'm, I'm looking forward to the draft, of course, December 7th. So it's it's probably going to be here before we know it because this year is just flying by for some reason. Uh, but going from Richmond to the team that they played in the grand finals, let's move on into the Geelong Cats, who I thought had a great um, – I mean, even even with the helm wearing, being with the GWS fan I am – I got to say, Geelong had a – they had a solid uh, free agency where they were able to bring in um, Isaac Smith through free agency. Um, they got Sean Higgins from um, North Melbourne. And then they are able to bring in Jeremy Cameron. And now this is an interesting thing because depending on who you, who you kind of – like I've seen different arguments, but um, the, the Giants, like when I saw this, I was – and like I knew Jeremy was out. Everyone knew that. And so I was sad, but when I saw what they got in return for him, I was not as disappointed as I was because the um, in return, GWS gets three first-round picks, where it being right now it's third, the 13th, 15th, and 20th, and a future fourth-rounder. And now what's nice about this, this trade is good for both teams because I, I see Geelong, I'm a little aggressive in my mind, especially with football. I say, win now. Why why build when you could just win now? Geelong, they could have won. They were in this game for a while, and that was with with, with um, Hawkins um, and Dangerfield being almost non-existent this game. So if those guys played up to where how they're supposed to. They could it could have been at least a lot closer of a game. Now you bring in a guy like Jeremy Cameron, and we we're talking if you get a, a line with Cameron, Hawkins, and Dangerfield, no team in the in the league could could rival that and so if you want to win now this is what you do then for gws who's a younger team going to be building more through the draft again great trade for them as well yeah and this is one of those where it's like it really does depend on who you talk to um the cameron deal was one of the last deals of the entire trade period and it literally went down to the end and like i said there's some discussions amongst geelong supporters is did they pay overs? Mm. Did they pay too much to get Jeremy so. Cameron? <laughs> in my personal opinion, I think they did. But in some situations with the discussions that I've heard, okay, there for a while the discussion was 13-15 and Parfit, who mm-hmm. is a really solid young player for Geelong. They see a lot in the midfield. Um, 
So in some situations, substituting Parfit for number 20 may actually have been better for Geelong. If they keep their young talent, mm-hmm. they get rid of a pick. You don't know how 20 is going to be. It's going to be basically second round for some people, but might still be in the first, depending on who you talk to. Quite an interesting. For me, Cameron is one of those guys, he very much is hot or cold. If he gets the right service, he could be absolutely devastating. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't, he can be like a ghost who can disappear. The interesting thing will be is, does he have the same type of Batman-Robin type of feel with Lynch and Rewald at Richmond? Or do we start having issues of two alpha male full forwards mm. being in the same forward line? Mm. I don't want to look at it that way because, honestly, the moves that Geelong made are win next year. There is no argument. Sean Higgins is an elding veteran. Isaac Smith is a great player, but he's getting older. Jeremy Cameron is getting older. He's the youngest of the three, but he's still getting older. Tommy Hawkins isn't a spring chicken. Dangerfield is not a spring chicken. Ablett's gone, so you don't have him. Mm Mm-hmm. It, what an amazing career yes. but cameron will cameron higgins and smith those three together can maybe maybe fill in but even still i'm a little hesitant to go cats are favorite for next year because richmond is so good if i'm a if i'm a gws supporter and i'd say this to you ross you did i think you fleeced them I think you got the better. I think you got the better of the deal. You got three first round draft picks, which you can well, now. I wasn't expecting all three. I was not expecting that. Like, like, like I said, every every comment that I had heard said they wanted they fifteen and twenty were the most they were going to give up. Thirteen was off the table. We there got was 15, no way. Baby. But Geelong, Geelong, I think got down to the wire. They didn't. They didn't want to wait. They thought, you know what? Forget it. GWS is playing hardball. Forget it. We'll just give it to him. The fourth rounder, that's a throw-in. That's just to kind of that's the on top right there. But in, like I said, those three picks there gives GWS the points to be able to get a few of their academy players early. They don't have to worry about finding over it. GWS continues to stack their roster, but they did get fleeced a little bit with the free agency and all that. We yeah. can talk about that a little bit yeah. more. In the long run, GWS, I think, is going to – they're going to fill the cupboard a little bit more, but they lost a lot of talent in this mm-hmm. offseason. But Geelong is one of those – they made the most splashes. Mm-hmm. Will they all work is the question. Oh, okay, GWS, we'll talk a little more about them um, once, we, once we get a little more down the uh, list. Next team all up, though, is going to be the West Coast Golden Eagles. Um, their moves, they um, via trade, they brought in um, Alex Witherden and a fifth-round pick, the 86. Um, then in return, they sent over a third-round, uh, 58, and a future third to Brisbane. Um, then they also brought in um, Zach Langdon and um, then from GWS. And in return, they sent over a third-round or the 54th overall pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this is one of those where it's just a couple of depth players for them. They're not massive moves. They're not like holy smikies. This mm-hmm. is this is the, the the Jeremy Cameron trade. These are solid depth players that are going to help fill out a West Coast Eagles team that by far was the biggest disappointment mm-hmm. of the 2020 season, in my personal opinion. 
They did not play up to expectations. They Excuse did that, not please. perform. Not a problem. That happens. Was it a fire drill? Yeah, it's apartments. It's some really, really touchy fire detectors. Ah, it happens. <laughs> I, I think we've all we've all went through middle school, right? Middle oh. school and elementary school. We all know that happened. Yeah. No, these these are depth players. These 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 are players that fill out a team that I think is they're all under contract. They've got a really really good team there. If we get a normal season next year, this is a this is a team that can compete for the flag. They mm-hmm. just for some weird reason that they just got the voodoo of the of the hub and it just they just never performed the way they should have. Also go um, Collingwood. <laughs> that was one hell of a game with that we like we saw this bring out Brian. Uh we had none of us saw that happening. <laughs> I mean I jokingly say Collingwood's gonna win the finals, but uh not <laughs> You wanna hear you wanna hear something really crazy? Please. Um, remember, I was telling you off. I, I was telling you off, Kareem. I got retweeted by the West Coast Eagles. Yep. They just tweeted me again. Even better. And as where can we talking, go find you, Coach? As where we're can we talking find you on Twitter. The West Coast Eagles. Why was that? Where can you find your Twitter account? At Coach S Forty. There we go. There's super. Come on, you got to work with me a little bit on that plug. I was trying to. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll talk behind camera, everyone, and we'll get this thing sorted out. Oh uh, uh, yeah, but th- I just find it funny that they re- they retweeted they retweeted, so they retweeted cool. at me odds. as we're talking about as we're talking what about odds. I that was I thought that was too convenient. I cannot do it. <laughs> but so no, this, this, these are two depth moves. These are two moves that just increase their depth on the on their roster. They've mm-hmm. already got a really good list. So I, I I see some good I see some good things for the for the for the West Coast Eagles next year. We'll, You're we'll spot on. See, yeah. So You're spot on with that. I mean West Coast they should not have lost, uh, not have lost that game. If it wasn't for an amazing uh, first, not game, but I think we could say uh, first quarter for uh, for you know whole Coxill over there, um, probably would have been a different story. But um, West Coast, they're, they're they're phenomenal at home, so that was weird. I think that was just a little blip. But like you're saying, you're kind of spawned with this, just two really good depth players just to solidify that roster. No big splash, but you don't always need that. Um, next team we have up was the St. Kilda Saints, um, and they um, did bring in um, – so they brought in a few guys, whether it be uh, Brad Crouch, um, Sean uh, McKernan, then um, Jack Higgins um, through uh, – a couple guys through free agency, then one through trade. And, I mean, St. Kilda kind of – they had, I think, almost a sneaky good trade period. This is the second straight off season where St. Kilda finds a way to get a couple of really good players from a couple of teams. And, and this is a St. Kilda team now, right now, that if they continue on the trajectory, they are going they are going to be in the hunt for a flag in the next year or so. Higgins is a great addition. He hops up there with Butler. He hops up there with King, a dangerous forward line. Brad Couch can go in the midfield, is a ball magnet, can get it. The biggest issue would be he's had some injury issues the last couple of seasons, but is he going to be much more happier now that he's out of the South Adelaide, now that he's out of the Adelaide bubble? After all the issues that kind of happened in Adelaide, which, I mean, they've just, they've literally had a disastrous couple of seasons over the last year. It's just kind of That's a total of understatement. <laughs> um, Crouch getting out in this situation, he moved to a club that I think he's going to be able to progress really well. He comes into a very strong midfield where he doesn't have to do everything like he's had to do the last couple of seasons. So I, 
this is another this is another team that adds a lot of depth they add some solid talent this this it just makes getting into the eight next year that much harder mm-hmm. when teams like port adelaide when teams like geelong when teams like when teams like port when team these teams get better when you don't think it's possible it, it really another solid solid um trade period for well, the St. Kilda Saints. See, what I like about this is that who needs a draft when you could just stack your roster through trades and through free agency? Um, St. Kilda is doing a really good job with that. They only have um, one pick in the top 30. It's going to be a 21. Besides that, they have a few other picks, you know, 64, 67, 74, 93. So nothing too crazy. They get one decent pick this year. But at the same time, they're building some great talent. They did get that win um, in, in the um, qualifying finals this year. And I will say that St. Kilda will be um, will be playing for the flag within the next three or four seasons. The biggest thing is, can I get Bell Chambers healthy for next season? Because if they can keep that solid Ruckman, they've they've got the, they've got the pieces to be able to be very 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 mm-hmm. tough team next year. So I'm I'm liking what's happening down in St. Kilda. Then if you like what happened in St. Kilda, let's talk about this next team because. The Western Bulldogs may, most people probably say they had the best trade period out of the entire um, league. And they brought in a bunch of talent. Um, they brought in uh, Mitch um, Hayden uh, from Melbourne, um, Stephon Martin from Brisbane, and Adam Trailer from Collingwood, which was a bit of a controversial trade if we want to talk about that. <laughs> sorry, oh, Collingwood man. fans. What, I'm so sorry. What, 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 what a three-person pickup! I mean, this is this is the only team that had just as much of a splash as Geelong did. I mean, you bring in Adam Trelaw, one of the best midfielders and one of the top ten midfielders in the league when he's on. Mm-hmm. Stefan Martin, another solid ruckman who had some injury issues in Brisbane this year, but he is going to be able to come in. He's going to give English. They're, they're young Rockman who just needs a little bit more time to develop a little bit more. So this is going to get him a little more forward time, a little less beaten and banging in the rock, bringing in a solid Steph Martin. And then Mitch Hannon. So it's like, you now have one of the scariest midfields in the entire <laughs> league. And Adam Trelore, Josh Dunkley, and Bontem Pelly as your three midfielders in the square with Steph Martin or English. If you're a Doggies fan... These are three moves that kind of like St. Kilda, kind of like Port, kind of like Geelong. The eight is scary with how much they improve. I mean, this is a dog. This is a dog's team that still has some building blocks from the 2016 grand final. Bonson Pelly is still just as solid as he has been. Trelore comes in now with motivation to want to prove Collingwood made the mistake of moving him on after having issues. Mm-hmm. Um, this the doggies honestly you could almost say had the best trade period out of everybody and we will we will um if you want to stick around once we get through all the other teams at the very end we will cap things by giving our biggest losers and winners from this so uh the we could easily easily say that the bulldogs are in contention (laughs) for that biggest winner spot Uh, of course we'll get on to that and man another team win now and that's exactly what they're doing right here too and i am all for this i mean they they're kind of they kind of um foregone 
trying to get a higher pick in the draft necessarily, and then they bring in talent that's established now. And there's two schools of thought. One, you can go to the draft, and you can go to the academies, and you can try to get these young talent and build them um, through the, the, the organization. Or you say, oh, this guy's really good. Let's just grab him. And who needs the, the draft pick? Because that's not always guaranteed anyway. And I love that. I love that mentality. And I really do like what the Bulldogs did uh, this year. I thought they slayed it. Yeah, well, it's kind of like, is, is it kind of like the, the Cleveland Browns of the NFL? Do we bring in every talented guy we can and hopefully we don't? Or do we or do we play the New England Patriots where we bring in guys that are a little less, that aren't as explosive, but are still mm-hmm. talented and winning guys? So we'll, we'll really kind of see whose list management is better. Do they bring in, you have the the talent moves of Geelong, mm-hmm. And you have the solid, really good guys, the, the winners coming in for Western. So this is it's really going to be interesting to see how these two teams, Geelong and Western, go because those two teams made the most moves. Mm-hmm. Who's going to look? Who's list manager is going to make themselves look like a genius come next season potentially? We'll have to see. And here we go. We go. We now go from um, arguably the best trade team, uh, the team with the best trade period, to the team with the worst trade period. It's so funny how this whole kind of ladder system really played out well in terms of organizing this. Collingwood, they bring in nobody and they give away everybody and they still don't even have that great draft capital i mean you have two picks in the top 30 but besides that you go all the way drop drop down to 65 70 75 and 92 mm-hmm. and you were a team you're eight you should not have been <laughs> you probably should not have been a, a team that actually made the finals and now you're acting like a team that deserves to be nowhere near the finals can, can you bring some light in, is there something i'm missing <laughs> oh man hey, this 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 trade period for Collingwood reminds me of when the Florida Marlins won the championship and then <laughs> fire sailed everybody that off season. I mean, and the crazy part is Collingwood didn't really even win that much. And that's no. kind of the sad part, but they literally, they fire sailed some of their best talent. And, and, and I've, I've heard rumors that they're, they're up on the cap and they have still have to go to sign. They're, they're trying to make sure that the contract that they signed with Grundy over the offseason is still going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they still Mason Cox. There's still, there's questions of whether he's going to resign or not after next season. Good so, GPS. so, but the crazy part about it is, is that you move Adam Trelore after some drama because they found out Adam Trelore's wife is going to go play netball mm-hmm. up in Queensland. And he's had some, he's had some anxiety issues. And it kind of it kind of boiled a little bit, and then it just kind of boiled over, and all of a sudden now Adam Trelaw is in the trading block, and they're trying to move him. But does he go all... to Queensland? But the thing though is he didn't go to he doesn't go to Queensland. He goes to the Western suburbs, so yeah. it, it pretty much ends up turning into a Collingwood cap dump to be able to save money. Mm-hmm. But then to top it all off, not only do you move Trelaw, you also move a very talented but off kind of on and off forward in Jaden Stevenson, who is a really good player, really good player. They move him to to, to Melbourne with one of the most interesting names in the entire league, Artu Basenavalagi, go to North Melbourne. Hold on, hold on. Very, that, that's, that takes talent real quick, everyone. Everyone listen. That takes talent. So there you go. That's, that's why we pay you the big bucks here. Well, whether I got it correct or not, that's that's up for debate. We'll, you we'll just have to there. sound like you got it correct. 
you just got to sound confident, right? Exactly. A confidence. But they move over to North Melbourne, who a lot of people thought was a dumpster fire. Now it's like Collingwood starting to light the matches and to try to see if theirs can be a little bit bigger. So <laughs> it, it, it really was an interesting off season, and just a crazy trade period for Collingwood. And it's just, I feel bad for Bucks because he's trying to, he tries to get ahead of it and he probably might've made it worse by coming out and saying this was the toughest decision he has to make, but then Jaden Stevenson comes on SEN and he's like, well, Buckley basically told me to find my own trade. Yeah, that was... And and Stevenson, and, and he was like, Stevenson was also quoted as saying that Buckley said he didn't come open to the group after he had some issues. It was like, just, it, it, it was handled atrociously bad. And I think Collingwood paid for it. And, and kind of like you said, they got a few draft picks out of it, but nothing near where the talent that they gave up no. is what they're going to get in return from some of these draft picks. It's like Collingwood is the only team I know that just did not have a good trade period. And the word for that in terms of their trades is like the material that you can find on their um, premium sweatshirts over on their shop, both the normal ones and the um, footy ones, like the shirt I'm wearing right here, tri-blend right there with the sweatshirt, because the inside, Coach Johnny, mm -hmm. is fleece. <laughs> <laughs> ah. So true. Oh, so wasn't true. that and the crazy part great. is we didn't, and the crazy part is that those were the two biggest ones, and then kind of Tom Phillips, who goes to Hawthorne, relatively smaller deal, not, not a yeah. massive one. But it just it just shows you the Stevenson and Trelaw deal were so big and, and made so much so many headlines that it was kind of like it just kind of threw gasoline on the fire for a Collingwood team that now is trying to kind of bring everybody back in and try to pull the troops together and hoping that they can use this as a way to clear up the troops. I, I well, nah. that's mm -hmm. exactly. I mean, but but if we want to talk about someone that's a little bit of a dumpster fire. Let's move on into Melbourne now. Of course, the demons, of course, that live in fire. Look at that. Another fantastic transition. That's a pound on my back. But <laughs> Melbourne, um, they um, they get Ben Brown from North Melbourne. Um, and they still have a decent amount of draft capital. They got a couple nice picks in the top 30, 18 and 19. Kind of that halfway through. But you can still find some good talent there. Um, I don't know if the demons they, they got really close in that in that ladder um, at the end of the season. They're not far away from the finals, and this trade for Ben Brown might have made them a finals contender. Ben Brown is one of those where if he gets the right service, he can almost guarantee you 50, 60 goals a season. And when when North Melbourne had their solid midfield and was was able to give him the, the support and the and the service. Um, ben Brown can be a, a consistent guy. This is also the guy, if you get a chance to watch him, has the longest goal run-up ever. In fact, the Demons had a little bit of fun with that goal run-up. They, they took the city of Melbourne, and they took where the Melbourne Demons played and where Arden Street is, where the North Melbourne is. Oh, that's and, they had, and they had a little thing where they had him walking during his, during his goal when he does his run-up <laughs> for goal, had him running from Arden Street to the MCG where the demons play. Oh, that's and it great. Was absolute gold. Like everybody loved it. So that's it was awesome. kind of a fun little way to, 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 to kind of throw a jab in North Melbourne <laughs> a little bit while, while saying that they brought in Ben Brown. So mm -hmm. th this is one of those moves that if Ben Brown has a good season next year, this is a good trade. 
Melbourne also, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, is they were just, they were pick swapping. I mean, they were, they were hot trading like somebody right. on the market. They were just here, 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 here. They were just, they were just firing up picks impressive. to different teams. I couldn't keep so, up. So their, their list manager made my head spin with how many, <laughs> how many different picks you threw out and you changed and all that. And it's like, We'll have to see we kind of with the draft capital and everything, kind of how everything goes is who kind of wins some of the pick swaps a little bit later. But Ben Brown, the one player they did bring in was a good pick. Yes. This is a really good bring in if he gets the right service. I, mean, I think he can. I think mm-hmm. he needed to get out of North Melbourne. The biggest thing is, can North can Melbourne fix their issue with consistency? That's the biggest question there. I guess only time will tell with that one. And now let's move on into my GWS, the Greater Western Sydney Giants. Uh, they bring in with all their draft picks. They also do bring in a couple guys as well. And Jesse Hogan, um, gone from Frio. And then um, Braden Bruce got him from the aforementioned Melbourne. Um, and then they give up minimal um, kind of draft capital with this, sending a second round um, 31 pick to Melbourne, and then um, a third round 54 pick to Frio. And I'm, I, I like this because you, I mean, if we're being honest, it, it, they're still a young team, but this is probably going to be like a, can we call this a mini rebuild where it's not like a team that's taken a full setback like it's Collingwood seemingly is. Except in the rebuild, you're actually supposed to get draft capital, but we are talk- we are diss on them enough. Um, <laughs> but the Giants are able to build draft capital, get a couple good, like, like solid players in, um, and I I like what they're doing here. They keep the core um, together, and for for the most part, and they're going to be adding a lot of really good talent through the draft for a few years to come. So I'm feeling comfortable where, as a fan. I'm feeling comfortable with where they're at right now. GWS is one of those teams where it's like if you look at the guys that moved out, they had a horrible, horrible trade season because they lose a couple of guys to free agency: Aiden Core, mm-hmm. uh, Zach, Zach Langdon, mm-hmm. Williams. The, the the free agency part killed them. The trade period they kind of chopped and changed a little bit. They bring in Braden Cruz to fill in because of the fact that Sauce Jacobs retired. Mumford most likely is going to retire. They had very few ruck options. Mm-hmm. Bruce was sitting behind Gone, wasn't getting the time period. Now he gets a chance to be a full time number one. This guy, he, he's a solid player. He's not like your holy, holy smokies. This this guy is a great trade pick, but this guy is a solid player. He's going to mm-hmm. be able to step in. He's going to be able to kind of even out your ruck contests. He's behind. He's been behind some of the better ones. He was at West Coast, then he was in Melbourne, then he was in Melbourne. So he's played behind Nick Natanui and Brendan Gaunt. So he kind of knows their tendencies a little bit more. So he does bring a nice addition. Jesse Hogan's one of those. He's a little bit of a we don't know because he left Melbourne having great season, goes out to Frio because everybody was like, he's a Western Australia, he's a Western Australian boy. He wants to go home. He wants to play for his, for his club in Frio, and it just never fit there. It just never did. He's coming back to GWS. The biggest thing I think GWS is looking at is can he regain the form he had at Melbourne? Because if he does, he can step into Jeremy Cameron's place. He's not going to be a complete fix. No. But he's going to be able to stabilize that forward line. And you still have some of your young talent there. You're mm-hmm. going to be fine. You still, you've still got some of the guys there. So there's still a lot of really, really talented players at GWS. This guy is a staple. This guy is kind of a coverall. He's the Band-Aid, hopefully, 
to the Jeremy Cameron wound here. But we'll, we'll have to see. I don't need like the Can't full be. stitch job. If I can just get a band-aid on that, you know, maybe I, I think we'll be okay. That's it's it's hard to fully recover from Jeremy Cameron. If they can just we just, we just kinda hope it's a minor cut, not a bullet wound. Fingers crossed for that one. Um all in all though, good solid period for GWS. They weren't the best, but they were far from the worst. And especially with how they – it's all up. If they have a great draft and just knock out of the park this year in, uh, in the next couple seasons, then, hey, we might be able to actually stop rebuilding every other year and actually be able to start contending for premierships. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Okay, definitely, right. definitely need to hit on these draft picks. Yes. Definitely need to hit on these draft picks. At least you got a bunch of chances to do so, so they better. Um, <laughs> the next team – was a team that was pretty busy in terms of player acquisitions, um, whether it be through free agency or from trades, was Carlton. Um, actually, nobody left their team, so um, their two trades um, for, uh, for for Gardy and, um, and also for um, Adam Saab. Um, and also with, with Adam, they, and then with these trades, they also do bring in a decent amount of draft capital with, with Adam. They bring in a third rounder, a fourth rounder, and with Fregardi, they also bring in a second rounder. Um, and then they move out a first and fifth to Essendon for Adam, and then a second and a third to Geelong for Fregardi. And those are fairly even trades. Um, Faith, I, th I think Carlton came away with a couple of good wins in those. And then they also do bring in a restricted free agent. Um, in Zach Williams, um, as we mentioned, GWS kind of got messed up in the free agency, but at least GWS does get a tenth round first or sorry, a an ten overall first round compensation pick. So that's mm -hmm. that's a little that's taking away the salt from the wound. It's the opposite of putting salt in the wound. Yeah, well, this is this is another team that made a couple of moves, like bringing in Williams, bringing in Sod or two really, really quick players, two really, really good players, mm -hmm. and two players that can make an instant impact on a young team that had just needs to get that little bit of bump to be a more solid winning footy team. Mm. Fogarty coming in, it's a solid one, but a depth player in and of itself. Son Williams are the two crown jewels of this trade period, yeah. and, for, and for the Navy Blues, I, I honestly think this is another team that is a win now situation. They brought in two really good players mm. to help out with a young team. Um, I like Carlton's moves here. I really, really do. Adam Sod comes in. He's had some trouble. He's one of the best rebounding halfbacks in the entire league. Super fast, super good moving with the ball. Is aggressive when he does have it. Zach Williams is the same thing. Can go in the midfield. Super fast. Great with moving the footy. So this makes Carlton, who is already a young, really good team, even better. So this is a Carlton team I think mm -hmm. could be the one to take Collingwood spot in the eight, potentially, this year. Mm. Love that. Um, awesome. It's not a if Carlton or um, if uh, Collingwood drops out of the eight. It's uh, who they're going to be replaced with is essentially the only thing we're debating at this point. Um, the next team on the list is going to be you know Frio, um, and they brought in no one. Really quiet. They, um, of course, Tracy Hogan left, um, traded to the GWS, and I, I guess they're happy with where they're at for some reason. But I kind of don't understand that, considering that they brought no one in through trade. Um, they had one guy leave, and, and a solid player like Jesse. Um, and also, their draft capital doesn't scream anything major, considering they only have a 12th, a 32nd, and a 55th this year. 
Yeah, Frio is one of those teams where yeah, are you thinking that their list man is happy with the young squad that they have? Um, but the only thing that makes any sense, um, draft picks are solid. They're not. I mean, they're not top of the leaderboard. They're not mm-hmm. some of the the amazing, unforgettable that you could potentially bring in. But honestly, I, I look at this. I look at this move as I think Frio is happy with what they have. That's the only thing that can make any sense. Should they be, um, though? With as good as, the, as well as they played, they kept a lot of games close. They were a very defensive-minded team. The only thing that bugs me a little bit is is that where's their scoring? I mean, are they going to use their draft picks to try to maybe move up in the draft and maybe try to get a, a tall forward, maybe try to get a scoring forward, maybe try to get somebody that can put the ball between the big sticks? But do they have the capital to move up into the high caliber guys? I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, are they expecting some of these young guys like Sarong and some of them to get better and better to be even more of an impact on the scoreboard? Only time will tell. Um, by the way, their moves were going. I honestly believe their list manager believes they will. That's fair. I mean, hey, if they have that much confidence in what, in what they're building there and what they have as part of the organization already, I'll respect that, and we'll just see what they're able to do this season, especially what they're able to do with that um, top three pick this year. The next team, um, and a team that was kind of lower on the one of the lower rungs on the ladder from this season, but one that can easily, easily be making a huge step up this season is going to be the Essendon Bombers because they got busy uh, this year and they had some very nice acquisition um they brought in nick hind um and a fourth rounder um and then in return to st kilda they uh, give away a couple fourths um and then they also brought in jack caldwell a third rounder and a fourth rounder and then in return they send a second and a future second to gws then they also bring in peter wright um and they in return they give a future fourth to gold coast and how often do you see a team with the sixth seventh and eighth pick in the draft they can get some genuine talent to this team and make them a contender for the finals next year depending on how well they draft it'll be it'll be very very interesting especially when you guy when you bring in peter right whose nickname is two meter peter <laughs> yeah so that's very interesting um when, when with the loss of Saad, it, it's kind of one of those it's, it's good at that it's good yeah. at that Saad's a big loss um i think they weren't they weren't expecting him to want to be moved he got a little disgruntled towards the end of the year, especially with how bad Essendon kind of ended the year. So, so with bringing in Jai Caldwell, he's kind of the replacement, but he's more of a forward than a back. So we'll definitely have to see six, seven, and eight is is quite interesting because how do they use them? Do they package them and try to get into the top five, or do they take three players right in a row? And those three players right in a row could be three really good players. I mean, you're talking three top ten picks. So. Will they make the impact is the question is, is who do they draft? Because you just never know. Sometimes there's 18-year-olds that are in the top 10 that are going to make an impact next year. And then some of them, it could take a couple of years before we even see them. So this is an off-season where I think they, they are kind of kind of putting the pieces together. The rebuild for Essendon is on. Um, losing some of the guys that they did will hurt. Mm-hmm. It won't be easy. Danaher... It depends on who he asks. There's some Essendon fans who are like, bye-bye. Get out of here. The door can hit you on the way out. You were injury-prone. You didn't want to be here. You spent all last year trying to talk us into sending you to Sydney. 
Sydney wouldn't want to give you the draft picks that we wanted. And he ends up going, he basically ends up going for half of what Sydney would half half of what was being told to Sydney and what they needed. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of one of those Essendon, they kind of had an off and on They're there. Some of their moves are good. Peter, um, two meter, Peter, Peter, Wright is a, it brings them their solid full forward that they really, really needed. Jai Caldwell brings some speed. McKinn comes in as another depth player. You, you, you have all that draft capital in six, seven, and eight. You can fill in spots and all over the field. So this is an Essendon team that, with its losses, kind of diminishes a little bit of some of the really good gains that they did get um, during this trade period. They, uh, they're going to have some work to do on, on draft night. It'd be interesting, like you alluded to, if they actually do go ahead and, and uh, pick in the six, seven, and eight, or if they make a little package, maybe trade up. Or um or or just do a little little scrambling with those, um it, it's going to be a fun December seventh for sure at least here in the states um for Australia it's probably would be the eighth then, yeah be it'd be the eighth and uh dates are fun when you're t- like a, across I think, the I think it's still the seventh it's just this... for us it'll be very early for okay them. okay early evening because I think I think and I, if I remember correctly. Um, it's kind of like the NFL draft. Their first round is all by itself on December mm-hmm. 7th, and then two through five will be the next night. That's right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be my first time watching the draft. I like the NFL ones, um, and I'm looking forward to this one. Next team moving on into is going to be the Gold Coast Suns, who did bring in a, a couple players. They bring um, Oleg Markov. Um, they, in return, they send a future third to Richmond. And they also bring in uh, Roy Atkins, a unrestricted free agent. Then in return, Adelaide gets a second-round compensation pick. Um, how do you feel about these ones? Now, these are definitely depth picks for a team that I think a lot of people sees a lot of progression next mm-hmm. year. Um, will Ralby come back just as solid as he did this last year before he, before he dislocated his shoulder? Isaac Rankin is a gun. Lacocious uh, is a gun. So many of these young, super, really talented players at Gold Coast is that now what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring in older, more veteran players. Um, this is a Gold Coast team that I think kind of hit a wall last year, about mm-hmm. two thirds of the way through the season, and you could kind of tell they just some of these kids were they're used to playing the shorter seasons in their juniors. But now that they're playing these longer seasons and with a compact schedule, some of these guys aren't used to playing as much, it really kind of affected this Gold Coast team. But these are depth moves. They're, they're not flashy depth. Yeah. They're not flashy moves. But they're moves that could potentially start building Gold Coast into a potential finals team. Exactly. These these aren't these aren't flag winners. I mean these aren't I mean these aren't the Brad Crouches, the aren't, these aren't the Jeremy Camerons, the the Lynches. The, the buddy franklins they're not those massive blow you off your your son blow you out of your socks mm-hmm. moves. but these are moves to just increase the depth increase the talent a little bit and to continue to kind of insulate your talent the super talent to hopefully keep them in the gold coast and then they don't go like lynch moves on like some of these guys some of these really talented guys that were there for a couple of seasons and then bye-bye you know, the and talent they got richmond and then they go to Geelong. So they got a solid young core there. They they definitely have a good team that they're building up. Like you said, it depends on if they're actually able to hang on to them. That seems to be their biggest downfall. But if they're able to build on this young talent, and then they do have that fifth pick. Um, they do have the twenty seventh pick, so they have two top thirties, so they can do decent through the draft this year. 
it, it really just depends on that internal kind of way that they're able to to build up talent from almost the the ground up in this um, next team we have is going to be Hawthorne um, Hawthorne did bring in Tom Phillips um, in return they sent a fourth round over to Collingwood they also brought in um, Kyle Hardigan and they sent a future fourth over to Adelaide for these two and then with these I um there are a couple I mean uh, younger players at least um, it, it, they Hawthorne I mean obviously we saw last year they do not have the best of talent uh, but at the same time it these are going to be um, some a couple good moves it's gonna be hard to they're gonna be feeling that uh, free agency loss and Isaac Smith but these are good moves and that top four pick um, is also gonna be good for them I like what Hawthorne did here this is one of those where it's like as we kind of discussed during the seasons Hawthorne was a team that we get to see how their list manager handles this. Mm -hmm. Does he move out guys and try to build through the draft? He kind of did kind of a 50, 50. Um, <laughs> he gets the fourth overall draft pick because the team was atrocious there at times. <laughs> and, but then he brings in a couple of younger ish players, not, mm -hmm. I mean, not super young, not 18, 19, 20 year olds, but he kind of almost gets a little bit of addition to subtraction. Isaac Smith is a little bit older. Bye bye. Here comes Kyle Hardigan. Here, here comes Roy Atkin. Here comes Tom Phillips and Kyle Hardigan. Mm -hmm. Rainford there. I'm sorry. Um, but he brings in a couple of younger players and he subtracts a couple of the older players that they let move on. So it's kind of one of those where it's like you change a little bit of what this club is. They, they've got talent, they've still mm -hmm. got Gunston, they've still got. Uh, they still got Rory Lobb, who, if he can get himself healthy, can be a great forward ruck. It's just the question is, is well, who do they draft it for? Can they make an impact? Can they get into the top 22 quickly? If they can, that starts to lead a little bit of the progression to where maybe next year they bring in another 18 to 20-year-old and maybe another, and you slowly start to see the rebuild Hawthorne um, through the draft. We'll have to see again their list managers kind of been kind of off and on some of the moves okay that's an interesting move there not exactly a splasher but mm -hmm. makes the club a little bit younger it brings the total age down which there for a while they were one of the oldest teams combined yeah. age in, in the entire league so so this is definitely interesting um well we're Hawthorne. talking with them it, it's pretty much it's time for a rebuild with Hawthorne they were kind of holding on to those kind of last veterans and just kind of doing nothing there. And it, it really is, it's time to, to commit to building younger talent, building through the draft. And they kind of got um, one step in the right direction with this one. Yeah, their moves have been kind of helter scalter a little bit. I mean, they move on some of their older guys for a couple of seasons, but then they they retain Burgoyne this year. So it's yeah. kind of, I'm wondering how this list manager is going to handle the next couple of seasons and how he kind of makes moves and different stuff like that. So this is this is an intriguing. I'm still not really sure about Hawthorne. Yeah, and now if we want to move into the last few teams on our list, uh, moving on to the Sydney Swans, your very own Swans. They bring in Tom Hickey, a second rounder, 34 overall, and a third rounder, 60. And in return, they deal out to West Coast a third, a fourth, a future second, and a future third. Seemingly, this doesn't seem like a uh, maybe surface level. It seems like West Coast might have been able to get the edge on this um, to some people. What do you think about this overall? Um, it was pretty well known that once Naismith went down, our, our 
are the ruck stocks were quite thin or quite young and not not really experienced enough. So the the hickey move, um, I like it. Um, it brings in a solid ruck. It helps Callum Sinclair move a little bit more forward. He doesn't have to play ruck all the time. Now you have kind of two even ruck forwards that can kind of switch off a little bit, which kind of takes the pressure off both of them because Callum Sinclair there for the longest time was playing 80% ruck and 10% forward. Mm-hmm. And when you bring in a layer, a layer, you lose the height, but you gain almost a second, another midfielder. So it was very interesting. So you bring in Hickey. I think it's a great move. In the long run, the long part, of Sydney's moves was to gain points mm-hmm. because they have two academy players that are probably going to go in the top 30. So they needed more points to be able to match bids to be able to get those two in the fold. Um, both are very skilled. Both are very good players. So this this trade period for Sydney was more about getting more picks to be mm-hmm. able to get the numbers to be able to match for the two youth academy players so then they didn't have to use their fourth third or fourth overall draft mm-hmm. pick on one of those two so they can actually bring in four players instead of just three and the crazy thing like we'll break this down a little more in our um show that will be out a little later when we actually do a, a draft recap and they'll kind of break down that you might be able to do a little research now but you'll be hearing sounds really foreign sound really foreign to me i'm still not super 100 percent with it but i'm learning is that the draft not is it's not just draft picks like most other drafts and drafts normally are no we gotta make it even a little more weird and throw in points and all this kind of fun stuff uh really just make the 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 job of juggling everything a lot more harder but also a lot more interesting so uh, we'll get into that more. Of course, Donnie, he's the best at explaining everything as you've heard. Um, and so he's great for you, new guys, new fans and um, fans that are veterans like himself. Um, the next team, we talked about them a lot earlier. And let's talk about them specifically now in North Melbourne because they do bring in Jaden Stevenson um, and Atu um, and a second rounder. And then in return, they send over to Collingwood a second rounder, um, another second rounder, and a fourth rounder. They also bring in um, Young um, and a future for, for a future fourth from uh, Brisbane. Um, and then also they get a restricted free agent in Aiden Core, and then return GWS does get a second round, a 30th pick um, uh, for um, in, in return of the restricted free agent leaving. This is one of those where it's like North Melbourne brings in Jaden Stevenson, so they get a really good forward to replace Ben Brown, who's out mm-hmm. of the way. R2 percent of Alagi comes in, he can play a little bit of everywhere. He can play in the midfield, he can play in the back, he can play in the forward. So, so he's kind of a good kind of mid guy. Aiden Core comes in and brings you a great solid defender coming in. So this is one of those everything that North Melbourne brought in improves the squad. There, there's no holes in any of it. They did let go of 11 people through delisting. So this is really going to, it's really going to be interesting to see how their draft strategy is. Do they try to bring in guys that come in now? Um, will they dip into the rookie draft and try to grab some of these delisted players that maybe they can fit into some of their holes with the, with the list sizes kind of changing and being a little bit more evolving this year. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely have to see this. This is a North Melbourne team that, they improved themselves from where they were, but it's kind of a low bar to jump over. I mean, a dachshund <laughs> could have gone over this bar. That's how low it was. Um, <laughs> well, at least you, if you're a North Melbourne fan, you could only expect a upward tick now, right? They're probably not going to be competing for um, 
for that last spot. I, I don't think these are moves that are going to make them finals contenders. No. But these are moves that are going to put them on the right track. Do you at least get out of the basement? <laughs> well, there's only one point. There's only one place below them, so there's not much lower they can go. Um, <laughs> but the biggest question is: is a lot of the teams ahead of them did get better through this off season and through through the trade period, and, and with the draft picks, with the movement around, and the team below them, honestly with some of the picks that they have, mm-hmm. with some of the guys they have coming up, and with the resurgence at the end of the year, mm-hmm. I'd be a little bit worried if I was North Melbourne that you're going to have an Adelaide Crows team that's going to rocket up and pass them, and have they improved enough to keep Adelaide below them? That, that's the biggest question there. Uh, so at, at North Melbourne, they, they, they made some strides. Are they baby steps or are they longer steps? I guess time will tell, but as you're saying – the winner of the 2020 Wooden Spoon, your Adelaide Crows, who for a while looked like they're going to go winless, and then they got that one amazing win that I was super excited about, just because I thought it was the funniest damn thing ever. But at the same time, I was a little disappointed that that we didn't get a winless team, you know, like the Browns from like four years back when they um, when Cleveland threw a parade for their quote perfect season when they went 0 16. <laughs> kind of want to see something like that but we see adelaide now they um four picks in the top 30 um they did not bring in anyone of course as you mentioned rory atkins brad crouch and kyle hardigan all luckily got out of there they escaped to better to, to, to greener pastures but adelaide of course they're not good but they can be good if they nail these picks and this could be a good start to the rebuild Yes, it definitely could. The biggest question will be is that number one overall pick, will they take the risk and bid for a Western Bulldog or Western Bulldogs play uh, academy player? Mm. Um, so they may have number one, but they may actually end up picking number two, depending on if Western Bulldogs do, do match that bid, which we can explain that a little bit more in the draft because each pick in their draft has a points um, thing and then if you are an academy player meaning that you came into the academy of a club or you are a father son and your father has played 100 games for the club you can nominate and then that's kind of what the, the bidding system is for like I said we'll explain a little bit more so, it's, so, yeah Australia I mean to, to my it, American it football can, mind it's a little it can really rattle your brain because it, there's no rhyme or reason to the point system there for a bit <laughs> if it, it and we can put we can put it out online which yeah, we get we a little bit closer. And, and then like much the first like the overall whole... pick is like over two thousand points, mm-hmm. and then number two is like fifteen hundred. There's a massive yes. difference. And then much yeah, like um, in the, the similar breath with the the playoff, the finals, or um, in America the pl- the playoffs, kind of their bracket with the top four playing each other, then the bottom four playing each other, and then the switch. And that if you're new to this, like I was, it was um, it took a little bit to get over, it, but but once like this, once you're able to. The, the great thing, there's a lot of like kind of intricate things that go in behind the scenes in Australian football, but um, it, at least the saving grace is that you can just watch a game and be thoroughly, thoroughly entertained. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. But there's all 18 teams, and let's talk about our pick swaps real quick before we get to the biggest winners and losers. Uh, the One of the first ones that happened was um, we we're talking Melbourne is in all three of these uh, because they went crazy with it. Lottery is just throw out like it's absolutely insane. So 
one, do you mind if I just I'll run right real quick through this? Yep. So Melbourne and Brisbane started it off. Mel in the long run, two Brisbane, two first round picks, picks eighteen and nineteen, and a future second, two Melbourne. Brisbane then receives a second round pick, twenty five, fourth round pick, sixty eight and sixty nine, and a future first round from Brisbane. Then Melbourne goes, Well, let's continue it up. We're gonna go talk to Sydney. So Melbourne gets Sydney's second round pick, pick twenty five, and sends to them their second round pick thirty one, third round pick forty three to Sydney. But Melbourne, let's go for the trifecta. They talk to Brisbane again and go, Hey Brisbane, we're gonna give you our third round pick this year, pick fifty three, and a future third round pick, and you'll take your third round pick this year, pick forty three, and your future fourth round pick. Holy shnikes, Melbourne. Wow. I couldn't I mean, keep up. I, 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 it was, I've never seen any pick swapping like this ever in any it, sport I've watched. I, I've never seen one team trade that many picks. I mean, looking at it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks. <laughs> Melbourne moved for, what was it, one, two, three, four, five, six. So, I mean, it just absolutely insanity. Um, I mean, I haven't seen that much. I haven't seen that much movement since a Chinese fire drill. Holy crap. <laughs> wow. Um, these, these really are picks where this is the, where the point systems come in and all mm -hmm. these picks is like Sydney, Sydney's move was to gain more points. They traded an earlier second round pick for a couple later picks, which in the long run actually got them more points, which would then be able to match bids for a couple of their academy players. But the fact that they made two trades with Brisbane was absolutely interesting to see to see Brisbane and Melbourne be so so looped in that. So that was definitely interesting there. Um, yeah, I, I, I my brain still kind of curved, just kind of just smoking from having to think of all these all these pick moves i, I bet the people at the afl house are loving these two that melbourne front office man they were just on something <laughs> jeez they were going crazy wow. with that they yeah. they were going absolutely insane and then to kind of something's up now um with our whole trade thing we're going through literally every single transaction that happened because my man donnie has again was able to keep track and have a very well uh, put together kind of plan. And uh, I was thoroughly impressed with uh, the little read through you sent me. You are just crazy um, dedicated with that. Also got, uh -huh. it's a good, good layout too, you know, just very, very yep. uh, great form right there. But I'm gonna let you, let's talk the biggest loser first. Also, because I think what you're saying, get this out of the way, because it's almost a, a, a consensus because i mean i'm sure our opinion does, is not the same as other big members of the footy media in australia but it's hard to the only way you don't say collingwood if you're just straight up just trying to be different but we can hands down say that collingwood had <laughs> the worst and they are the biggest losers from this year uh you just you can't see uh, when it comes to trades yes when it comes to loss of player you could even throw in GWS a little bit too. Just Aiden Korzak, Williams, Jeremy Cameron. I mean, they did lose a lot. But when it comes to specifically just the trade, just the trade winners and losers, Collingwood just absolutely had a fire sale. Everybody was for sale. And I do not, 
I'm just not sure that they got the total value from what they gave away. So for me, yes, Collingwood was the biggest loser of the trade period. The off-season period, GWS is close because they lost a, they lost several players. Um, but the Jeremy Cameron trade might fix it all. So it kind of neutral. It, it, it evens out in the long run. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. I would go Collingwood as 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 unfortunately the the biggest um, missed opportunity comes you, to the trade period. You know, GWS, like you were saying, and will admit they lost a good chunk of talent. But at least they were actually able to get at least uh, uh, what it looks like now is proper compensation for those. Or if anything, they were overcompensated, especially for German Cameron. You cannot say that the same thing about Collingwood. You can't say that they even really got close in, in terms of trying to bring in draft picks to kind of balance the, the players that they lost. So at least at least I can fall back on that one. And now where it really comes down to is debating the biggest winner. I'm going to let you end this. So I'm going to go first on this. And you might have heard it in my voice a little earlier in the show. We were kind of debating this all before we started recording. And I think that Geelong had the overall best trade period for the reasons that we, we highlighted that uh, uh, Hawkins, a danger field, and a German Cameron line is absolutely unstoppable when they're all when they're playing how they should be and, and to the point i alluded to earlier in the same sentiment i've been sharing throughout this is that i am a win now guy so this is my opinion this is not objective this is definitely a subjective uh winner for me <laughs> I, I do not care it's it's my mentally you win now and if they they were so close you were inches away from winning um, uh, the, the grand finals this year. And as I was saying that if Hawkins Dangerfield actually showed up like they were supposed to, it could have been a totally different game. Now you get to throw a German Cameron in there and that's a, that's a different team right there. And that's not even talking about, um, Higgins and Smith, which are going to be not too amazing acquisitions, but they're going to be solid components there. And I see Geelong definitely, I don't know if they're favorites now, but they are, they are hands down a better team than they were in 2020. Yeah, and that's this, this one was hard because yeah. it, I agree that <laughs> Geelong really did. I mean, they brought in some cream players, some really, really solid players. The only thing that, that keeps me from going – absolutely headfirst into that is just the fact that they're older mm -hmm. and Geelong was already an older squad. So you're not exactly getting younger. You're not exactly defining a team, but you are literally throwing the kitchen sink at the flag next year. That's literally the way it is. The only team that I think just because of how they shaped their squad, not only for now, but even maybe in the future, is the Western Bulldogs. That's a very strong. Just argument. because of the just because of the fact that I look at it like this. English is going to be your your ruck for years to come, but you're going to be able to save his body by bringing in a really good ruckman in Stefan Martin, who mm -hmm. just had injury issues last year. And then Brisbane kind of moved on. They, they wanted to kind of change their squad a little bit. They wanted to get a little younger. That's why they moved Stefan. But Martin is still a great addition to the doggies. And then you bring in Trelore for not very much. You don't you don't get fleeced by moving him. 
which is the one of the other reasons why I think Western, in my opinion, is a little bit better because they got better value mm. out of their trade than Geelong did. Geelong, all first rounders are gone now Super for fair. one guy. And for one guy that we don't know how he's going to fit with Hawkins. I know now, looking at it, unless Trelaw decides to get an ego, he's going to step right into that starting 22 with the doggies and make probably one of the scariest midfields of him, <laughs> Dunkley, and Bontempelli all in one midfield. There is no there is no team in the league that's going to be able to stop all three of them. There just isn't. There is not – they would have to combine about three teams to be able to get enough <laughs> taggers to be able to stop them. No team has it. If I'm a dogs fan right now, I am absolutely wanting 2021 to come now because you you have the right things if your forwards stay healthy, if Trelaw stays healthy, if Dunkley is okay with not being moved because there was a lot of bit of drama there that he wanted to move to Essendon and Western didn't move him. Is Dunkley going to be okay playing at Western this year? If he is, Western right now – is the team outside the top four that may be in the top four and may be a serious flag contender. Geelong's going to be there. Richmond's going to be there. Port's going to be there. Will West Coast be there? Will West Coast depth move work out? Winners, Geelong, Western, top two. If I had, like I said, if I had to pick, I would pick Western just because they have increased their squad Mm -hmm. depth and talent instead of making an older team and just going for next year because our Higgins, the Smith, our Cameron going to be able to go two seasons top tier and win more than one flag. If they can, maybe we may change our minds. You make a phenomenal argument there. But I just want to give you just leave off. Think about this is why not, the future is not guaranteed. Who knows if draft picks or players are ever going to work out. So if you can put it all on the line and win next year, I am always, always going to take the win next year over any sort of kind of future thing down the road. But with that being said, that's going to wrap it for us today, ladies and gentlemen. Like, like we did, we went over every single acquisition that and trade and free agency and swaps that happened this 2020 trade period. It was phenomenal. Thank you so much, Coach Hess, for joining us. Of course, you can check him out everywhere. He'll be linked. And um, check out his stuff, too. Can you, you want to plug what you're kind of working on, a little project you're doing right now? Thanks, Ross. Actually, yeah. I really, really appreciate it. It's one of the reasons why I kind of brought up that being tweeted out by the first Eagles. Currently, um, I'm very, very close to being done of gathering U.S.-born or non-Aussie-born fans of all 18 clubs. I have 16 of the 18 figured out. I have a fan that I'm going to sit down and have a Donnie's disposal again. Hey. Um, kind of, <laughs> I'm kind glad of a quick. Stuck. I'm glad I, I know it, it, it absolutely is perfect for the situation. Um, we're going to have a short, I, I want to interview these people. I just, I, I, I kind of want to find out why, why are they a fan of this club? How did they get into footy? How did they learn about it? Was it this year? Was it 10 years ago? When was it? And why are they such a footy fan? Cause I, I, I want to meet other American fans. I think it'd be great for your audience 
along with getting me the opportunity to do some more interviewing considering i i'm, I'm really getting closer um okay, you see you have two teams left to go myself. right and what are those yep. two teams yeah melbourne and richmond if you know anybody that are american born or non-aussie born internationally born people um if you see me on twitter please retweet it please well, if retweet you know this. anyone that knows anyone that knows anyone that knows anyone get out to my man donnie has because it, this i'm super excited to listen to this i i can't wait um of course we get my uh thing with being an american-born gws fan and a fresh fan every single time we run this show so of course uh my my kind of uh, I'm, I'm sure my presence is all waning on him. It's getting a little annoying at this point just because, you know, Greater West, um, Greater Western Sydney is better than normal Sydney. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, in the let's, name. Let's it's greater. It's greater. Come on. Also, orange and gray is better than red and white. Don't at me. <laughs> yeah, it all just depends on how you appreciate it. Also, because no, the, the, you can't lie. Really it goes cool. well with the logo, Coach. It goes well with the show's logo. Not going to lie. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You got it. You got it. No, but the cool part is that some of the people that I have is I actually have a few other people that actually have their own podcast too. And, and to be able to give them a, another outlet to be able to, to uh, go off their podcast. I know that my Essendon fan is Rosanna from New York who has the AFL, AFL obsessed podcast. Nice. Another really good podcast to listen to. Mm -hmm. If you like kind of, kind of a different view point from her, she's a really good listen. Uh, Fro Jernhart, who will be my Western Bulldog, who I bet he's absolutely ecstatic with his with his doggies, has the Stray Dog uh, podcast, which he talks mostly Western Bulldogs. Um, I took a listen to it a couple weeks ago, and actually, I'm, I'm not a Western Bulldogs fan at all, but I really found his podcast to be quite interesting. He's quite an interesting listener. Well, it's always too. nice just to get different perspectives from every fan and every team, uh, and that's oh, why yeah. um, just just go like if you guys get the chance, go check them out. Because uh, I, I mean, I love the AFL kind of kind of um, community. It's a very fun fan base to be a part of, and we gotta spread the love, man. Uh, I sound like a hippie now. Don't quote that, please. <laughs> spread the love, damn oh my hippies! God, that's awesome. Uh, but it, it, it's been it's been absolutely fascinating meeting meeting some of these people online and, and to be able to make connections. Like I said, the, the fact that the Western the West Coast Eagles Twitter site retweeted mine with it with so with cool and asked and i got inundated with so many eagles fans so it was cool. so much fun to chat with them and i mean they're from all over the country um including i bet one it was a high school high school has his own podcast in oh, jersey yeah. and and sounds like he says if he, if he can talk his co-host into talking footy he wants me to come on and, and kind of explain the game a little bit more which i nice. thought was a really cool opportunity but so I'm really looking forward to this. Hey, this is a can't lot of wait fun. for those done disposals to come out. Also, because my man Doug, he's going to be a part of the Fourth and Long family, and um, you know he's already co-host on here. We're going to put the show uh, a part of us. This is something that we're kind of working on, and we are very excited to not only be co uh, to to be um, have him as an AFL correspondent, but also to have him have his own show is a part of this brand, and we're spreading. So everyone, just go check him out, please. Go um, if, uh, follow him on Twitter so you can stay up to date once all that stuff drops. Of course, you can follow us at Fourth Long Radio on Twitter, Instagram at Fourth Long Radio. Also, just better off, just check out our website www.thefourthandlong.com. 
Uh, but you can check us out in all of our most recent stuff. We do our NFL breakdowns every single week. Um, and then we also do, um, we just had our big interview just drop. UFC uh, Miz fighter Miz debut in June um, at UFC Vegas 2. Um, Justin James, the guitar hero Justin James with a story straight out of a movie that you need to listen to. And it, it also just absolutely insane. Blew me away from that. I had goosebumps almost the whole way through with them talking. But that's going to wrap it for us today. Coach Hess, thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, make sure to follow this stuff. And we will catch you guys, for all of our AFL fans, in our draft breakdown.